0: And we are back on the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy. I am Essex there. Ben, first off, I know I'm hoping you had a a good holiday. I'm hoping all of our listeners had a good holiday. We're glad to have everyone back and getting ready now for, for Virginia Tech, our first ACC preview of the season. In our last episode, Ben, detailing the past two blowout wins for Wake Forest against Delaware State and Presbyterian. But as I said, it's now getting ready to open up ACC conference play. The Virginia Tech Hokies coming to Winston-Salem to play the Deeks in the Joel on December 30th. Ben, looking at, I guess, the importance of this game, you know, getting started on the right foot in the ACC. Virginia Tech has been a solid team for the past few years, especially under Mike Young as the head coach. How important is it? for Wake Forest to get started with a win in the record books this year in the ACC?
1: I think it's incredibly important, especially given how Wake Forest's schedule shook out. They're the last team in the conference to begin conference play, so it's all sort of been building up to this moment. I think it kind of works in their favor with how many question marks they had in their lineup with eligibility and injuries and stuff earlier in the season to have as much time as possible before you get ready for that conference start. At this point i'm sure the team is excited we are excited it has been a long time coming it feels like the team should be well rested after coming off the holiday break which as we've seen in the past can be a good and a bad thing but if you think back to last year a year ago the wake forest win over virginia tech and the joel was really an important win for them pretty early on in conference play they was a close hard-fought game that went down to the wire i could see that potentially happening again this year but wake was able to grind out a really important win for that team and this virginia tech game is coming at another time where if they win it will be important it will be a game where wake sets the tone maybe for conference play shows what i think to be a pretty quality team in virginia tech that and shows the rest of the conference that you know they mean business they're here to play and can make some noise so i think uh virginia tech is gonna be a good test for this for this wake forest team and you know always always good to be able to start things off on the home hardwood which which the dekes will be doing in just a couple days here
0: I like the point about it being an interesting ge- or an important game. The It feels like every year, at least the past two, the Virginia Tech games have been important. You mentioned the 2022-23 season. And in 2021-22, the, the season two years ago where Wake Forest was just on the cusp of making the NCAA tournament and, and couldn't quite get over the finish line. I believe that first ACC game of that season was also against Virginia Tech, but up in Blacksburg. And Wake Forest just absolutely clocked them, closed them out, winning that game 80 to 61. I remember I was on the road to Charlotte to watch Wake Forest play in the ACC championship that night against Pittsburgh in football. And that that matchup was coinciding with the Wake Forest Virginia Tech game, but a really big win in what ended up being a, a phenomenal season for Wake Forest. And I just remember how big metrically that was. I remember Wake Forest really skipping up by I leave by I believe about 20 points in and net because Virginia Tech was a solid squad they actually later that year of course went to go on and win the ACC championship in Brooklyn and Wake Forest goes to Blacksburg and beats them by 19 points that was a really big win for Steve Forbes so the Deeks have won back-to-back games against Virginia Tech winning once in 2023 and then once during the 21-22 season and then Looking back at the rest of, of Steve Forbes' time with the Demon Deacons, played them twice in 2020-21 that COVID season, losing both times by a pretty healthy amount. So the series, at least in the Steve Forbes era, is tied two-two. But the Deeks have gotten the better of the Hokies in the past two games. So looking ahead to the the metrics, I, I you know I said the word metrically already. The metrics are becoming more and more important, and it's a conversation that. Seemingly, we're always going to have to have in terms of not only the NCAA and basketball, but really Wake Forest and their quest to get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2017. Virginia Tech, right now, 49th in the net, 49th in Ken Palm, 52nd in Torvik, and then BPI, which this is what interests interests me, Ben. So Virginia Tech is 36th in BPI, which is ESPN's ranking metric if if you will. Wake Forest is also ranked significantly higher in the BPI than in the other metrics. I think Wake Forest is, is hovering around that. I think that 58 mark right now is where Wake Forest is squared away on Ken Palm. And in terms of, of BPI, they are much higher. The last time I checked, Wake Forest was around the, the 40th mark. So BPI, liking both Virginia Tech and Wake Forest significantly better than the other metrics, something to, to think about. And Virginia Tech is just a really balanced team, Ben. I know you have some thoughts on this team. I'll let you get into it in a sec. But in terms of Ken Palm, top 65 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, so really balanced on both sides of the court, a really good free throw shooting team. They're more of a two-point shooting team. They're not really great with the threes. And then this is what I'll, I'll love to talk about later in terms of the roster 38.3% of Virginia Tech's minutes are coming off the bench. So this is a team that is not only trying to still figure out its starting lineup, but there is a heavy rotation and a lot of guys playing. Whereas when you look at Wake Forest and now with that starting lineup figured out with, with Efton Reed making the jump after his waiver was accepted, there aren't a lot of bench minutes to go around. So deferring in in that regard, but, it's just an interesting team to look at in terms of metrics, Ben. I'll let you get into your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I have done some research around this Virginia Tech squad, uh, watched some of their recent performances, and I just wanted to take a look at where they stack up in the ACC through 12 games so far. So, you know, we talked about they're not an excellent three-point shooting team. They're 12th in the conference in three-point shooting at just under 34%, so not excellent there. They have a couple guys that can shoot the three, Um, We'll get into those a little bit later. They are twelfth in the conference in scoring at seventy four point four points per game. They are eleventh in field goal percentage at forty four point nine points per game. They do a really good job of getting to the free throw line at you know just over twenty two free throw attempts per game. But their calling card, I think, and I'll get into this, is that they are third in the conference in defense. In they average they give up just sixty four point four points per game. And that stat right there, I think, kind of gets at the crux of this Virginia Tech team's identity. And you know, I, I think they are. They're a really good defensive team. They have veteran pieces. They play solid, consistent defense. They force you into long possessions and contested shots and have a really good rim protector and presence in Leon Kidd, who we'll talk about a lot later. He's a fantastic player. But the other thing I noticed when I was researching this Virginia Tech team is that Wake and Virginia Tech are very comparable in a lot of areas. So in terms of conference ranking, they're 13th and 14th in the conference in total rebounding and offensive rebounding with Virginia Tech sort of just Being on top of Wake Forest there, ninth and tenth in defensive rebounding, again with Virginia Tech just on top of Wake Forest, and then an eighth and ninth in opponent three-point percentage. So those are a bunch of categories where Wake and Virginia Tech are incredibly evenly matched. And I think it's possible that whichever team is able to gain the edge in those, you know, in those categories, we've seen rebounding and offensive rebounding and overall rebounding decide games for Wake Forest already. You see by these numbers, you know, it's a big enough sample size at this point where I think you can consider these numbers to be relevant and important and reliable where these are the areas where wake and Virginia tech are neck and neck and they wake. These two teams have very different strengths. I think wake is a better offensive team, team than Virginia tech can shoot the three a little bit better, a little bit more efficient, things like that. But I think it's the areas where they're very comparable. So who can get the edge on the offensive boards, who can, you know, prevent giving up those extra possessions, and who can defend defend the three-point line. Well, you know, Virginia Tech might not be the most efficient three-point shooting team, but they definitely have guys that can get hot and hurt you. So I think it's possible that in those areas, whoever is able to gain the edge might come out on top in this one. And so my overall sort of conclusion about this Virginia Tech team in the research that I've done is that they are a, they're a good defensive team. My overall conclusion is that they're a team that has offensive weapons, but I think will beat you with consistent and fundamental defense. So looking at the sort of their past two games, they blew out American at home, allowed just 55 points in that game. So a really strong defensive performance. And against Vermont a little while ago, this I think is a very revealing performance about this team. They held Vermont, who, you know, is eight and three quad three team, maybe not the best quality of competition there, but they held them to two points and then something like one for 14 from the field in the first 13 minutes of that game. They go up twenty six to four to start that game. And by that point, the game is pretty much over. So and they just kind of coasted the rest of the way. So they relied on that defense. Vermont did eventually sort of find their footing a little bit. Vermont's a very good three point shooting team, sort of found their footing from me outside, was able to put some points on the board. But Virginia Tech kind of just threw on cruise control after that start to the game. So I think that is how they can beat you, is that they can get you off to a cold start from the field, you know, go rely on some of their veteran pieces on offense, feed the ball into Linden, Lynn kid down low and can sort of just grind you into the pavement and, you know, eke you out of games. And that's, I think what they have done in some of their, their wins this year, they've held teams under 70 in seven out of 12 games so far. And they're, but in their two most recent losses, you know, on the other side of this, they have scored 50 and 57 points. They got blown out by Florida Atlantic and they lost to Auburn as well. So they lose when they give up points is, you know, sort of the, the, the overall conclusion you can, you can gain from that. And so I think, you know, they're going to be this Virginia tech team is going to be very tested by wake forest offense. I think it'll be one of the better offenses that they faced this year so far. And conversely, I think this is one of the best defensive teams that wake forest will have faced all year. So I think a very complimentary basketball game, I think it's going to be competitive for most of the game. I could see, I think we'll do predictions a little bit later on, but I think it's going to be a hard fought game. And I, I think this is going to be a very, very good test for wake forest team to face a veteran scrappy. Virginia tech team with a lot of, you know, guys that have been around the block in the ACC and on this team for a little bit. So I think, uh, you know, on paper it should be a, a really fun way for Wake to start out ACC conference play.
0: Those are some super revealing statistics, Ben. Just first off, I mean, I have a couple of thoughts on this, looking at that Vermont game, especially just in regards to what we discussed on the podcast a few days ago with Wake Forest consi- consistently having those slow starts against inferior opponents. Virginia Tech by no means is an inferior opponent. So, if if the the Hokies were able to put together something akin to what they did against Vermont, where they come out and blow you away at the start, and Wake Forest has that so-called slow start, then that reveals a significant problem in regards to the Deeks' ability to win that basketball game. So, avoiding the slow starts both on Wake Forest and doing what it can on offense and defense to get points and, and keep Virginia Tech from scoring. But just as much Virginia Tech's ability to cause slow starts is going to be a battle to keep an eye on for sure. When you look at what Wake Forest wants to do in a game like this, you also look at Wake Forest high octane power offense and Virginia Tech's stout defense that again presents another great battle where you have a litany of players for wake forest that can get the ball in the bucket. And then you have a strong defensive team in Virginia tech, just going back and forth at it is going to be some really exciting basketball to watch. And then the third thing that I was thinking about is the, the rebounding and the defense for wake forest. We talk about the offense consistently and sometimes the defense and especially the rebounding, as you mentioned, Ben can certainly be lacking, but. Wake Forest and Spurts has showed that they can defend very, very well and also rebound pretty well to go along with it. So it's not necessarily a decision. I I wanted to use the word when Wake Force decides to defend and rebound, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a decision. But when there is a concerted effort to lock down on defense and to be aggressive on the boards, when the guards come down on rebounds, things like that, that Steve Forbes has discussed ad nauseum this season, that it's clearly been a focus, but if there is that effort, and again, that focus for those things to occur in a game against a team like Virginia Tech, then that puts Wake Forest in, I think, a good place because then it takes out of it just being a a great Wake Forest offense against a strong Virginia Tech defense and a Wake Forest offense that is a little bit more complementary that is a really, really good offense, but can defend well and can get on the boards with a guy like Efton Reed with Andrew Carr, etc. Then I think that's where that, that give is and Wake Forest is able to charge through this game and get the result that they're hoping to get. So that's going to, there's going to be a lot of different clashing parts of this game going at each other. And it's, I think it's, you know, it really is an up in the air kind of game just because of of the the makeup of these teams. So the, those statistics have been really really great. I think it presents one of the more exciting matchups coming out of the holiday break on Saturday the 30th. I think it, it it you know, it could be it could be Wake Forest blowing out Virginia Tech. It could be Virginia Tech putting a number on Wake Forest or it could be a really highly contested game. I again because Wake hasn't played in the ACC yet, I have no clue what's going to happen, I would say. But the way these teams match up make it seem like it's going to be a really intriguing game.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, every other team has had sort of the advantage or, you know, at least getting their feet wet a little bit in ACC play. Um, Virginia Tech's first game was against Louisville. They didn't look great in that game. Louisville hung around, I thought, for a lot longer than they should have. Virginia Tech only picks up the seven point win there against a, Bottom of the barrel, Kenny Payne, Louisville squad. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, this is a this is a veteran Virginia Tech team. This is a team that Wake Forest has. You know, last year played a very close game with them, also at the Joel. So I think uh, I think Steve Forbes is going to have his work cut out for him. The team's going to have to get up and get ready. And like you said, that's a great point that you brought up about the slow starts because we talked we did talk about this just a couple of days ago where weight kind of skated by in the first half against some of these, these quad four opponents can't do that anymore. Free ride is over. You are not going to be able to do that against this Virginia tech team and, you know, be able to just overcome that maybe, or the margin for error will be a little bit smaller is my point. So I think it's going to be, uh, it should be, I think a highly highly contested game from start to finish. I think it'll be an entertaining game to watch because you kind of have these two teams with differing strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, it's like kind of, unstoppable force meets a movable object with Wake Forest defense or Wake Forest offense and Virginia Tech's defense. So we're going to see, we're going to see what this Wake Forest team is all about in the first of 20 consecutive conference games.
0: Yeah. Can't, can't, can't forget the ACC, the grueling 20 straight conference game schedule going through the gauntlet, regardless of how good the ACC is on a given year. It is a gauntlet nonetheless. Talking about the game, Virginia Tech going into this matchup with Wake Forest at nine and three. And I was taking a look at the quads. Virginia Tech has played some very, very solid basketball teams. I mean, they have already played four quad one games. Uh, They went one and three in those games. So not the best of results. But but time and time again, it has showed that playing those high quality teams on a a consistent basis usually is a good thing for basketball teams in the non-con. So you have that nine point win, the one... Quad one win was a nine point win against Iowa State on a neutral court. And Iowa State, the metrics love Iowa State right now. The funny part is, Iowa State hasn't played anybody. I mean, they, I think the 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 ranking, the metric rankings for Iowa State are a little bit phony and potentially might not hold, especially when you get to talk about a gauntlet. The the big 12 conference schedule is a gauntlet debatably unlike any other last year, and especially this year. So I don't know if that that metric's going to hold. But right now, a quad one win for the Hokies against Iowa State. And then you have the two-point loss to South Carolina on a neutral court, a 34-point loss blowout loss to Florida Atlantic on a neutral court. FAU is really good this year. For Remember, they went to the Final Four last year, so they've got some, some I guess, some credit now, some street credit. And then you have the 17-point loss at Auburn in the SEC-ACC Challenge. So three losses, one win in the quad one. They're 1-0 in quad two, a seven-point win over Boise State on neutral court. We talked about the the Vermont win. That's their lone quad three. And then they won six quad four games. Believe it or not, that Louisville win counts as a quad four win. But as you said, Ben, it was a little more contested than one would expect. Given what we've seen out of Louisville, it was only a seven-point win for the Hokies. So they have played a considerably strong schedule in the non-con, and then you get into the ACC play. And it's a team that they, they've they got to figure some things out still. We talked about the bench minutes. It's a high percentage bench minute, uh, I guess, ratio to the starting lineup. And we'll talk about this now getting into the players. They're still trying to figure out who their starting lineup is. I mean, ever since Efton Reed came back, it's been a pretty like foregone conclusion. What truly is the starting lineup for Wake Forest? I know Zach Keller has started a lot of games at center, but that's almost been kind of a, a pseudo starting position. Efton Reed's the guy who's getting those minutes. So Virginia Tech last year, after last year, losing two of their key, key players in Justin Mutz and Grant Pasil, It's a really big loss for the team, but they still have retained a lot of talent, especially at the guard position. Speaking of guards, they also lost a a highly touted player in Rodney Rice, who elected to leave the team in October. I remember when that news came out that a lot of Virginia Tech folks were were concerned about what that meant for the team, just because of of his reputation, I guess, or or the idea that he was going to be a really strong player. But as the starters stand for now, again, I've talked about the guards. It starts with Sean Padula and Hunter Couture. I watched both of those guys consistently, saw them completely tear it up in Brooklyn two years ago at the ACC tournament where Virginia Tech earned their way into the NCAA tournament. They proved that they were not going to make it unless they won the championship. And lo and behold, they did. And Sean Padula and Hunter Couture were the two guys who were legit. Padula, 13 points per game, 38% field goal percentage, a little over four assists. The stats don't say a lot. Especially when you look at that field goal percentage, not a, not necessarily shooting very well, but don't get me wrong, Sean Padula means a massive amount to Virginia Tech. He's a very very big time player for this team, Ben.
1: Yeah, I like Sean Padula's game a lot, and I think one stat that's a little bit below the service that does say a lot is that he has per Ken Palm he's used on over twenty eight percent of their possessions, which is the highest rank, which is the highest rate on this Virginia Tech team. So the offense is flowing through him in more ways than one. He's the lead distributor with 4.2 assists. That's nearly twice as many as anybody else in the team. So this is their, I like to describe Sean Padula as kind of the, the heart and soul of this Virginia Tech team. He is a known distributor on offense, can score a little bit, not having the most efficient year offensively, but you know, still scoring 13 points per game. He does a really good job of feeding the ball to Lynn Kidd down low. From what I've seen, he's a really good at penetrating, getting in the paint, finding kid down there and giving, getting him in a good position to score. So Sean Abdullah is going to be somebody that, that obviously Wake Forest is going to have to pay a lot of attention to. And I think he's kind of just a, a, a bulldog, really, you know, heady player. And I think, like I said, it's been, you know, critical when he's been out there. I think he's struggled with some injuries so far um, is a very key piece of this Virginia Tech's team's ability to succeed and win.
0: You mentioned the injuries. It's been something that's been occurring over the past few games. Sean Padula did not play in Virginia Tech's last game against American. It was reported to be a precautionary holding out of Padula, but certainly something to keep an eye out for coming out of the, the holiday break where he potentially have some time to to nurse that injury, get back to health. But if he is able to play, at what percentage is Sean Padula going Looking at the other two guards, again, I mentioned Hunter Couture leads the team in minutes with 31.4 per game. He started every game, 14 points, a 43% field goal rate, 38% from behind the line, leads the team in threes by a large margin. So Couture is that go-to three guy. You know, again, as I've said, not a heavy three-point shooting team, but this is Hunter Couture is that guy if they're going to go to it. Also, another player to look out for in terms of guards is is Tyler Nickel. If you recognize that name, that is because last year he was with the North Carolina Tar Heels, transferred up the East Coast to Virginia Tech. He's a highly regarded player, looking to find kind of that new niche with a new team. Right now, 25 minutes per game, 39% from the field. Also a bit of a three-point threat. He has played in 11 of Virginia Tech's 12 games, And the reason I have him in with the starters now, he didn't start for the first few games for Virginia tech, but of the last five, he has started all of them. So whatever he was trying to figure out or kind of get himself into that lineup and get things going has clearly happened. And now Tyler nickel, the that third starting guard for the Hokies. So he'll probably be the guy to go against Virginia or rather against wake forest on the 30th. And then the big men, Makai Long, transfer as well from Old Dominion. He's 6'7", so kind of that that middle height, not quite as tall as as Andrew Carr. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. 20 minutes per game, so not playing a ton, despite being a starter. And, and the stats aren't really exciting, I would say, either. Four points, five rebounds. And he's another guy who didn't start at the beginning of the season. He was going back and forth with another transfer in Robbie Baran from Northwestern. They're kind of going back and forth to that forward position, but long has started the last three games. And then Ben, you've talked about him a lot. Lynn kid is the guy at center for Virginia tech. He's a stud Six ten, started all 12 games, 24 minutes, 71% field goal rate, 16 and a half points per game, eight rebounds, 23 total offensive rebounds where we, we said it was Sean Padula, but where Virginia tech goes kind of, is on the back of Lynn Kidd
1: totally agree with you this kid is a beast if you watch him on film he has an incredibly deep bag down in the post can play with his back to the basket wide variety of spin moves controls the ball well incredibly efficient he has the second highest true shooting percentage of the entire NCAA at over 75.3% which is unbelievable by the way that is off the charts rocket science type good true shooting percentage and yes, he's a beast, and the guards also do a fantastic job at getting him high percentage looks. They throw a lot of lobs, get him isolated down low. Plays above plays above the, the rim a lot because, in addition to being six ten, incredibly tall, he's athletic, great finisher around the rim. And this is a serious test coming for Efton Reed. This is Efton Reed is going to be called on. Obviously, who knows whether Zach Keller will will get the start, but. Presumably, it will be Efton Reed getting most of those minutes matching up against Lynn, Lynn Kidd down in the post. So this is going to be a test for Efton Reed on both ends. In my mind, this is why you go and get a guy like Efton Reed in the transfer portal to bring him in to defend and match up against these high level, you know, all conference caliber players down in the paint. So this is the matchup personally that I'm most excited to watch is Efton Reed versus Lynn Kidd to see how Wake Forest is able to get Efton Reed involved early to see You know, Efton Reed's coming off a five block performance. That's the most in a single game for Wake Forest since 2019. The school, I think, released that today. So how can Efton Reed sort of affect Lynn Kidd's game? Can he make, you know, do everything he can to make things difficult? Is he able to shut him down? Or, you know, how how does Efton Reed fare in, you know, the biggest test for him in his very short Wake Forest career so far?
0: Yeah, that was the piece that kind of felt like was missing. From Wake Forest was a, a guy like Efton Reed, huge physicality factor on the defensive end. It's been talked about how much of a leader is. He's the vocal leader on the defensive end. You can hear him all the way up from the the media seating section, which for the folks who have been to the Joel know how far away that is from the court. And you can st- still hear Efton calling out the defense, aggressive on the boards. He's a big presence on the defensive boards. Is getting some on the offensive end as well, and you can get him going in the post game and in the paint. So that is a big time player for Wake Forest to have. That's exactly what you said, Ben. The reason why you go get a guy like Efton Reed from Gonzaga and this in his first ACC conference game, a matchup of all matchups, one could say perhaps against anyone other than Armando Baycott and DJ Burns over at NC state. But this is a serious matchup for Efton Reed. Just looking at a few more bench players, just as we, we cover, I guess, the, the full depth of Virginia tech because of again, how much bench minutes they're throwing around another good guard garden MJ Collins. He's going 26 tw- rather 21 and a half per game. Not much of a score. I talked about Robbie Barron at forward 19 minutes per game. So he's truly kind of splitting that position with McKay long. And then you have Brandon Reichsteiner. He's a freshman 13 points or 13 minutes per game played in all 12 of them. And then, the last guy I'll, I'll say off the bench for Virginia Tech is Myla jal another forward. He's played all 12 games as well, 13 minutes per game, five and a half points. So those are, you not only have the five starters, but four other guys off the pen, the bench who are playing considerable minutes for Virginia Tech, Ben.
1: Yeah, and I, I, like you said, watching this team on film, they go to their bench a lot. They're confident in that, you know, the other four to five guys outside of that that starting group and i think for good reason i really like mj collins's game he's an you know an athletic guard maybe doesn't show up on the scoring sheet as much but he plays really good defense i think and is able to pop off some explosive dunks and stuff every now and again um rex diner is actually believe it or not despite only playing 13 minutes per game is has is second on the team in assists at just over wow. at just over two so he averages 2.4 assists per game Clearly is able to come in and distribute the ball well in a limited role, so that's a guy to, to watch out for. But you know, I think this Wake in Virginia, Wake in Virginia Tech also match up pretty well depth wise. You know, Wake is starting to develop a core group of bench players that they can go to, and Virginia Tech definitely has the same thing. So I think that, I think that partially is what will allow Virginia Tech to be a consistently competitive team in the conferences that they have. You know, they're not just playing six guys; they have eight, nine, ten guys that they can go to and give meaningful minutes to. So I think, again, that's just something else. It's another factor that will end up testing Wake Forest in this game. It will be important to see how they respond to that.
0: It's kind of crazy. I mean, I was just flipping to to one of my, I guess, uh, notes on my my sheet here for the podcast. It's pretty crazy that Rex Steiner is second on the team with just a little over two assists. I don't know. I mean, to me, that doesn't seem like a lot, just considering looking at Wake Forest box scores over and over again, it's a team that shares the ball. I know Sean Padula is heavy in the assist mark, but the fact that you've got a guy second best on the team with just two assists per game seems a little small on that end for me, no?
1: I agree with you, yeah. Um This Virginia Tech team, they don't average, you know, they're not coming out and averaging 20, 25 assists a night. They're just under 16 total assists per game as a team. So it is, yeah, it's really interesting to me that, Nobody else, you know, they, they only have three players that are over two assists per game. Um, MJ Collins is the third one, another bench yeah. guy with 2.1 assists. So it's yeah, it's it's interesting to me that most of the distribution, at least in the starting lineup, comes through Sean Padula. And you know, we talked about it. That is part of what makes him so important to this
0: team. That actually might be, and I this is purely hypothetical, but looking at that, that the top five assist getters on Virginia Tech, all guards. And when you look at how high value Lynn Kidd is, it, it might suggest that Virginia Tech truly is, in, and you've watched more of the film, Ben, that Virginia Tech's more of an inside or rather outside in team as opposed to the inside out where you have the guards working the ball into the post as opposed to the post play opening up the kicks that you see a little bit with Wake Forest more, that kind of inside out team. It, to me, at least the stats are trying to say, that Virginia tech really is that outside in team where they're getting the ball to Lin Kidd a lot, which might mean that's why those guards are getting the majority of those assists.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, you know, we've talked about Virginia, Virginia tech is not an excellent three point shooting team. They're sort of bottom five in the conference in that regard. So I think this is a team that sort of knows what they got knows what their identity is. They know that they have one of the best big men in the conference in Lin Kidd, And they, they get the ball to him. That's kind of a don't fix it if it's not broken situation. They let the guards do their thing. The guards aren't necessarily all incredibly efficient scorers, or at least they haven't been so far this year. So get it to your big man, get him quality looks. You know, he's shooting 71% from the field and leads the team in scoring at 16 and a half points per game. So, you know, go with what your strengths are. This is a team where Lin Kidd is doing so well, he's not underutilized. If you watch them on film, they look, they look to get him the ball pretty much every chance they can get. I think is you know that that's a sign of of good coaching first of all I think this is a well coached team and a team that just knows how to play well together they know that they know that in order for them to succeed they you know they don't need their guards drilling five or six threes a game they can just get it to their potentially all-conference big man and just sort of let him do the work from there but yeah I think it's it's a little team that's a little bit you know Varying to wake forest in that regard just you know the the way their offenses line up are are not not exactly mirroring one another not totally similar so I think yeah that's sort of just adds another layer to um, how wake Forest will line up to defend this team.
0: Well if you all have had enough of my hypotheses which I promise weren't in the plan for this podcast today these ones coming up were in the plan finishing things out here with keys to the game and predictions. Ben looking first at keys to the game. I'll let you tee things off for the Deeks versus the Hokies.
1: Yeah. um, You could probably guess what I'm going to say, because we've talked about it a bunch of times, but it's going to be. Do not start slow, start off on the right foot, play, start hot, find a way to, you know, get a few early shots to fall, avoid the dreaded slow start that has plagued Wake Forest. at times this year, just, you know, come out with high energy. I think that's been sort of the problem in some of these non-con Q4 games is that it's kind of a little bit harder to get the energy up when you're playing an NJIT, a Delaware State, a Presbyterian. With Virginia Tech coming to town to start off conference play, no excuse to not have great energy on both ends of the floor. You know, Hopefully you can get your guards going scoring early. But yeah, my biggest thing is just avoid falling into a hole early on.
0: That is definitely one of the ones I was thinking about, the, the not starting slow. There were definitely a few that we also kind of discussed earlier in this podcast that that certainly come front to mind. First off, it's got to be that battle between Efton Reed and Lynn Kidd. For Wake Forest to win that game, one would think that that battle at least needs to be an even or lean the way of Wake Forest. It's going to be a big time matchup for Efton Reed. And it's going to be a game where Efton's got to come with his A plus stuff on the defensive end. He's really because, as we said, Virginia Tech's an outside in team. They target Link Kid a lot. He is the main fixture in their offense. That's got to mean that that Efton Reed's going to have to step up on the defensive end and get some stops. And also on the offensive end, I think he presents an opportunity to really attack the boards as well and pose- potentially give Wake Forest some extra possessions, which will be big. So it is, I think, a massive deal. For this this matchup between Efton Reed and and Lynn Kidd in this game, so for me, I wouldn't necessarily call that a key to the game. I I guess call the key to the game win that battle on the inside, but I think that's huge for for the Deeks in this game. Another one is the defending of the three point line. So this will take a little bit of explaining. Wake Forest is a defense that helps a lot. They bring that that extra guy. To help sometimes. And oftentimes now they're doubling at points, which I think is really intriguing, but they help a lot on the defensive end. And sometimes that allows teams to kick the ball out for three pointers. You've seen it a lot where teams can get hot from behind the three point line because they're getting those options on some defensive helps from Wake Forest. I'm not necessarily not saying seize the helps, but Wake Forest has got to have an, an effort to defend the three point line. Virginia Tech is not a very good three-point shooting team, but they've got some guys who can get hot in Hunter Couture and Sean Padula. They're both good three-point shooters. So got to defend the three-point line, make sure that those guys do not get hot because when a team gets hot from behind the three-point line, obviously they are very hard to beat. And then my last key to the game is something that I talked about earlier. It is decide. And again, it's not really a decision, but make that decision to make a concerted effort on the defensive end and on the boards. Wake Forest is a very, very strong offensive basketball team that has allowed them to win basketball games against lesser opponents. But when they are not only a very, very strong offense, but a defense that can really bear down and get some stops and get what Steve Forbes calls kills three stops in a row, and then can attack the boards on the offensive end and defend their own defensively, they are virtually unstoppable when they are playing all facets of the game really, really well, which in stretches they have shown they can do, then Wake Forest is an incredibly, incredibly good team. And so I think to get the ACC schedule on the right note, to beat a team like Virginia Tech, Wake Forest at the very least for some, some stretches are going to have to show their full complement of weapons on the offensive and defensive end. So those are my keys looking at predictions, Ben, what, how do you, we talked about it. It's, this is a game that's incredibly hard to project. Virginia tech has played an ACC game. Wake forest has yet to They're still trying to, we, we feel like we probably know a good bit about this team now that you're a significant stretch into the season. But again, we haven't seen them play anything in the ACC. So still trying to figure some things out. How do you see this one going?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've mentioned it a couple of times throughout the episode. I think this is going to be a hard fought game. Um, I don't think this is going to be a game where Wake is going to come out and score 85, 90 points. I just don't think that based on the complexion of both of these two teams, how they play, how good Virginia Tech is defensively. I just don't think that is going to be the case. I'm going to give this one. I do think Wake Forest is going to win this game. I am going to trust that they will be ready to play. They'll be rested. Guys who maybe were a little banged up will have the chance to get healthy. It'll be good. They're coming. You know, they've, It's the twenty seventh, so they, you know, Wake got back into practice yesterday, had plenty of time. They're all coming to. They're in the midst of a very long home stretch right now. They're comfortable playing on their home court. Cannot overstate, you know, how important that is to be able to start off conference play on their home court. I think this is going to be a contested game that falls, you know, within ten points at the end of the day. I think it's, I think that it might come down to something like, you know, who should who who shoots the ball from the free throw line better down the stretch. So all that to say, I think that Wake Forest's offensive weapons and how balanced their scoring is, is going to be a little bit too much for Virginia Tech to overcome. So I I like a balanced scoring output from, you know, we call them Connor O'Neill calls them the usual suspects. And I like Efton Reed to continue his momentum from, you know, the last game against Presbyterian and put up a strong performance. So I have Wake 79, Virginia Tech 74
0: funny ben we talk about how much we we share the same brain and the second you said i see this one being within 10 points i had to laugh to myself a little bit because i believe it or not also see this one being within 10 points so we are kind of on the same track there the way i look at this game is some in a lot of ways the way i look at at the previous games for wake force where things do start at the very least a little bit more competitive than one would expect and a little bit more slow I see that happening to Wake Forest on the 30th against Virginia Tech. I think Wake is going to be kind of feeling that game out a little bit. Again, the first ACC matchup, it's a big game. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. I think they're going to be competitive in that stretch, but I expect halftime to be a relatively close contest between the Deeks and the Hokies. But also what Wake Forest has proven is when they go to the locker room and when they come out for the second half, they are oftentimes a different and far better basketball team. They're able to take a lot of coaching. As Steve Forbes mentioned, the coachability of this basketball team is certainly evident, and I think they're able to figure out some of the the holes in their opponent, and they're able to exploit those. And I expect the same thing to occur against Virginia Tech. I think this will be a close game at the, the jump, and then in the second half, I think the Deacs will be able to figure it out Again, as you said, probably not a high-scoring game. I agree with that. I think Wake is able to put it together in the second half and stretch things out to a 72-63 victory to open up ACC play with one in the win column. Of course, after this game, we will have our thoughts on however this shakes out, and then we will get prepared for Wake Forest's second game of the ACC conference schedule heading up to Boston to play the Boston College Eagles on January 2nd. We'll have all the coverage here on the Boots on the Ground pod. Thank you so much for joining us. Can't wait to get things started. Wake Forest versus Virginia Tech. It's going to be a good one. Alongside Ben Conroy, I've been Essex There. See you all soon.